Hey, hi there. Have a seat. You're in the right place. I'm Dawn Scannell, and welcome to From Mindfuck to Mindset, where we kick bullshit to the curb and get clear on what we want and where we're going. So pull on your sassy pants. And as my good friend Marshall said, you own it. You better never let it go. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. The opportunity comes once in a lifetime. Wise words, my friends, wise words. Buckle up. All right. Well, welcome back, friends. Oh, my goodness. This is officially episode 23 of Conversations Ooh. with Friends. Um, and if you're new, because maybe, I'm Dawn Scannell, and I help women bounce back and bloom by building their resilience muscle through mindfulness, self-love, gratitude, personal wellness, really honing in on your sacred support circle, right? Yeah, defining that sacred support circle because life happens, bounce back and bloom. All right, I'm here today with Chelsea Barato, who is infamous for being super cute. like. When you smile, I hear giggles, right? No, seriously, I don't know if it's the dimple or what, but it's been that way since the first time I met you. Like when you smile, I just hear giggles in my head. (laughs) I do giggle a lot. Um, So Chelsea, tell us a little bit about who you are and why we're having this conversation today. So I am Chelsea Barato and I live in the Malta, Saratoga area. And I grew up in the Capital District and came back here after college. Um, and I was a special ed teacher full time. That was my real job. That's what I went to school for. That was my uh, career. And then life took all sorts of different turns. Um, so I am currently at home with my little boy who's growing by the second. And we are talking today because I just love to talk about all the things that we're not supposed to talk about. And yes, ma'am. Kind of my MO and my these Yes, days. ma'am. Obviously <laughs> mine too. Um, so talking about all those different twists and turns that life throws at us, right? Because it doesn't, it doesn't present them in front of us all nice and shiny and kindly. It just kind of hits us upside the head with these things. Um, Absolutely. You are, so you founded your nonprofit, right? I did. Yeah. Okay. Yep, so. It's called 700 Smiles. And, got it. Right. And I, I'll have to tell you all that uh, that little boy of yours charm personified this is true (laughs) yeah because he was I was told I I believe it was Katie told me about him and she said oh he's so shy but he's so adorable and I was like oh no that shyness isn't really a thing that's his that's that's a tool (laughs) (laughs) he knows what he's doing he does that way I can take no credit for he came out that way (laughs) he does he totally it's totally a tool for him and he uses it for good um Mm -hmm. so Please tell us about 700 Smiles. Yeah, so um, when I was 18 weeks pregnant, um, we went in for our um, ultrasound 
and I very naively, um, but I think commonly, was there with the expectation that we would be finding out the um, gender of our child. And I, um, we went through a long battle of infertility. Um, we, I felt like I had gotten to a point, um, you know, I had a miscarriage, um, 18, 20 weeks is that time where I kind of really felt like, all right, like this is really happening. Like I'm going to be a mom. And my whole entire life, all I ever wanted was to be a mom. Like that was like my life's goal from when I was a child. Um, and so I sat there, you know, waiting, we weren't going to find out what the reveal was in, in person. It was going to be run on an envelope and we had this big elaborate plan because I'm a crazy planner person. And I like to celebrate anything possible. And like, we knew we were, like, we were going to go to the restaurant and we were going to give the envelope to the waitress. And like, based on what the answer was, like there was going to be this dessert. I mean, like, it was like a full blown thing because why not? Um, <laughs> And we sat there and like, I am notorious for having like the world's tiniest bladder in general life, but forget being pregnant. So, you know, I'm like wiggling and trying to be calm so we can do this. And um, it was taking a really long time. And I was familiar with ultrasound because going through infertility and getting pregnant, I had to have way more than normal just as they monitored pregnancy. So I started feeling like this isn't like great. This isn't, you know, something's going on. Um, and they, the ultrasound tech didn't say anything, but she said she wanted to go to the doctor. So that was like my moment of something's happening. Um, and it's oddly like a blur, but also very clear exactly what happened. Um, you know, a doctor that wasn't my regular doctor came in because it was just whatever doctor happened to be there. And for me, I feel like it wasn't handled as well as it could have been. Um, I don't think anybody wants to hear something's wrong with their baby, obviously. Um, but I, I feel like I needed like kid gloves in that moment. Like I needed some gentle words and like tact and the way that it was um, told to me just wasn't very sensitive. Um, so I obviously, I'm a crier in general. So I obviously started crying. Um, and they just told me, you know, there's, there's something wrong. Um, we think we found a cleft lip with a baby. Um, and in that moment, I think I had like a flash of like, you know, maybe the commercials you see like infomercials on TV of like kids born cleft lip, but I had never in my life known anyone that was born the cleft lip that I knew of. Um, and what they said to me was like, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna follow up on this. You're gonna meet with our teams. Um, don't go home and Google and, you know, don't worry. <laughs> and it was like, okay, go, go ahead. Meanwhile, like, I'm sure I was just, you know, a complete picture of panic. Um, and we got in the car and thankfully my husband was with me for this, but we got in the car and I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And, sobbed. Um, and I had a moment of like, this is not fair. Like I was just mad at the world for a second because not, not a second, many seconds, um, because I'm pretty open about, you know, I've had a lot of trauma in my life. We went through infertility. I was like, damn it. Like, can I just have this moment? Like just one it. thing. Can I have one you know, thing? Like, God, where is my break? Um, so I had a pity party for a little bit. Um, of course, in 
the tradition of being 2016 and just seeing what people did. We had this huge, you know, gender reveal party for the next day um, planned with all of our friends and family because clearly four years ago it wasn't COVID and everyone we knew wanted to come celebrate because I was open about our infertility journey and um, again, like I was just ready to celebrate everything. So, um, you know, that car ride home, I'm on my phone Googling because you can't tell a mom <laughs> that something's wrong with her baby and that not to Google it. I mean, this is not reality. So, um, so anyway, so that was our, um, that's how we found out. And from that point forward, um, very quickly, I just decided that this was something I was not going to go through quietly or alone because um, I think I felt like towards the end of our infertility journey, I started opening up one because I was frustrated with getting asked when you're going to have a baby. And I just started being bold and saying, you know what, we're working on it. <laughs> um, but also because the more I talked about it, the more I realized that I wasn't alone at all. Um, and it was just this taboo thing that we didn't talk about. We didn't talk about. So um, finding out that our baby is going to be born with a birth defect, as much as I didn't know anybody that um, was born with a cleft, I, I just felt like I needed help. I didn't want to go through another thing without support. Um, so from that point forward, we were just really open about what was happening um, because I needed it. I very honestly just needed someone to tell me that it was going to be okay or that they were on the other side of it or, you know, that everything was going to be all right. Um, so from then on, we had gone to Boston Children's Hospital where we chose to um, plan on having her surgery. We were able to actually have an ultrasound and find out that his palate would not be affected, which was a huge, um, pretty much a child born with a cleft lip might have one to three surgeries in their lifetime and a child born with a cleft palate could have 10 to 20 um, by the time they're 18. And in terms of feeding, and it's just, it's a really right. substantial and difference. So it's the, if it's the palate that could affect all the things, right? The sinuses, the um, like feeding could be a huge problem because you, if you can't shut off your nose to swallow, you can't swallow. Right. right. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's a that's an issue with even you know survival and thriving right. and gaining weight and it's yeah it's really um, really much more severe circumstance. Um, so we were able to go when I was pregnant to Boston um, have an MRI and find out that the palate was not affected. Um, so that was a relief. But again, I continued to just share that journey at the time I was blogging, um, but also just sharing on Facebook and just letting people support us, um, which I'm a very stubborn only child and have gone through a lot of things in my life alone. Um, but it was this point that brought me to like, I, I don't choose to, to try to survive that way. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't helping me any longer. So. Right. Um, I, even just your journey with infertility, I've had a couple of conversations lately with women who have gone through that, that has a whole trauma attached to it too and also that we don't normalize talking about how women do or do not get pregnant and I do not mean the birds and the bees people I'm talking about not everybody's journey to pregnancy is the same 
And I think there's a lot of, um, why is it we attach shame around things for women who can't get pregnant naturally or can't breastfeed or all the things like, can we just have the grace to say, wow, everybody's journey is different. And why Mm -hmm. can't we all just normalize all of it? Mm -hmm. Right? Like nothing, no journey is right. No journey is wrong. The circumstances, um, yeah, so hard. I mean, the, yeah. the the whole period is hard anyway, even with a normal pregnancy, right. because all of the hormones <laughs> and all mm-hmm. of the changes that happen in your body, then on top of it to feel like, oh, I'm doing it differently wrong, maybe, um, mm-hmm. and then have something actually go wrong, yeah. like a birth defect. Right, totally. Um yeah, so it, there was a lot of emotional processing happening there. Um, I had, you know, being at Boston Children's Hospital was a good wake-up call for me because, um, you know, from the moment we pulled up, again, I'm a crier, I, I'm crying. I just, you know, I tried to go up in line and order my smoothie and I'm just crying. Um, and I, you know, I'm looking around and I go up and, um, you know, I'll have to have an MRI and I'm walking down this hallway and going into the bathroom to get changed. And here's this little itty bitty who's probably seven years old, bald, carrying his pole. And I'm like, Jesus, get it together, woman. Like, <laughs> you can do this. Like you, you know, um, so it wasn't, um, you know, it, it was a good wake up call and it really just made me, you know, kind of, all right, I can do this. Um, one of my, it's laughable, but one of my like really well-received blogs is about my MRI. I, it was horrific for me. I never had one before. I, like, I thought I, I like had these in the moment visions of like, I thought it was in war or something like the sounds and the, um, I had to be pulled out to puke. <laughs> like it was just a comedy of errors, um, on top of obviously like the stress and emotions of being there. Um, I'm glad I can laugh about it now. But um, so you know that was halfway through my pregnancy. I definitely spent those last 20 weeks, um, you know, beyond worried. I think the the emotional process that women go through preparing for birth and preparing for the transition to be a mother. It was just immense anyways. Um, but there was just so many unknowns, you know. Right. So did they have to have special people on standby for the birth and all that? I almost yeah. feel I almost feel like you know, my birth experience, my son will be 32 this Wednesday. This mm-hmm. Wednesday. But you know what going into a a, a quote unquote, normal birth, where you don't think there's any complications or anything, nothing is foreseen, and then having things go wrong, right? Um, I'm not, I almost feel a little bit like it would have been comforting to know that something was going to go wrong. And there were extra people instead of what happened to me with me, which was, oh, my God, all of a sudden, we had to, you know, call in the circus clowns. Um, That's how I felt. But that's my mind. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's all circus. Um, you know, I went, he, he didn't want to come out. He was comfy in there. I went 41 weeks, had to be induced all of that drama. Um, I was only <laughs> for, for 40, 
one hours. Uh, I had to end in a C-section because that boy was not coming out of me. You know, it was, it was all the things. And and honestly, obviously, like everyone says, when it when it's all said and done, and he's out, and he's out right. of my chest, and none of it mattered anymore. Right. Um, yeah. And you know, it, it was everyone assured me because um, in my process of being open about it, I was able to be connected with you know, so quickly there was, um, my husband's co-worker's neighbor had a son born with a cleft lip and, you know, all of a sudden all these connections came out and I had these people during those last 20 weeks to lean on and to tell me that this is going to be okay, that, you know, this, this is going to happen and all, all the thoughts that I was having. And, um, you know, it was that moment of being vulnerable that really saved me from suffering through that alone. Um, and that just changed a lot for me, um, in terms of kind of how I wanted to show up as a female for other females. Um, so, you know, after, after birth, I definitely had postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. Um, I just struggled. It was hard and, you know, it, everything combined, I can't, I can't say it was one thing or the other, but it was just all of it was a lot. And I, um, I felt like I needed a place to be completely open and vulnerable. Um, and just one night sleep deprived and, you know, no sense of what I needed, but I needed something. Um, that's where from coffee to wine was born. And it's just a private Facebook group for women only. Um, and I really, I really needed a place to, you know, at three o'clock in the morning when the world is sleeping, but I'm up feeding a baby and sobbing for some reason that I wasn't sure why, you know, I needed a place to go and say like, is this, is this normal? Like, am I going to be all right? Is this normal? What's happening? Um, and because I didn't feel like it existed, I decided I was going to make it. And if there was 10 people in it, then that was fine with me if they were going to show up as their vulnerable selves too. Um so that happened soon after Luke was born. And then um, when he was about six months old, right around the time where he had his lip repair at Boston Children's, I was, um, there's an event called World Smile Day. And um, someone, the vice president from Smile Train had saw, I had tagged a picture on Instagram with the hashtag, let your smile change the world. Um, and he had seen that and reached out to me and just said, Hey, you know, like I'm the VTF smile train. I just wanted to see if I could help you, if I could connect you with anyone, if you're, you know, how you're feeling about surgery upcoming, you know, if you want to vent about this, like totally just felt like this gift from the internet of like someone genuinely just checking on me, like knowing what I was going through. Um, and I was just beyond touched by that. Um, you know, they sent him this little bear that has um, a scar, like from the lip repair um, and all this little smile train stuff. And it just, I just felt, you know, so less alone in that um, right. journey at the moment. Um, so again, in my sleep deprived state, I decided, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna fundraise the smile train. And um, 700 smiles comes from the fact that one in 700 children are born cleft affected, so either lip and or palate. Um, so we have a very big goal of funding 
700 surgeries through Smile Train by the time he was 18. Um, Where are you at now? I think we're at, oh gosh, mm, 110 maybe? 110, and when did you start it? So unofficially when he was like six months old and then he started like tallying and be like, all right, we're going to really do this and go for it and call it something. And how much money funds one child surgery? So shockingly at $250 is what smile train is able to do the surgery for, um, which is just, it's so astonishing to me because one of the things that I always reflect on and Smile Train has had me talk about this a zillion times because it's gotten really involved with them but for me for all the things that I was feeling when I found out your son's going to be born with a cleft lip I mean the emotions the the you know all of the things the thing I didn't ever have to stop and worry about was am I going to be able to afford this you know by no means is our insurance system in the United States perfect um but I am um lucky enough to have good health insurance and from the moment where we found out that was going to you know my baby was gonna need surgery I didn't have to question if that was gonna be an option for my child and that's just not the reality in the rest of the world right not only could they possibly not afford it but there might not even be a qualified physician to perform the surgery they might not be able to get to the place where that surgeon exists they're you know they're working in situations where okay if they my child is born and I can't breastfeed we don't have clean water to be able to if I even happen to have access to formula make that happen and like again like when I think about just my heart as a mother and the things that I was feeling add on the fact if I was in a position where I don't know if I can provide my child with that surgery again that's one of those things that I just can't can't wrap your head around of how you would handle that how you would deal with that as a mother um so clearly I've become very um impassioned about helping them funding them supporting them and um not to say that my goal isn't completely selfish because I want Luca to grow up feeling like, um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's ironic in the fact that you, you brought this up at the beginning, which I don't think, I, I don't know if I've never told anybody this, but I have one dimple. My husband has two dimples. Luca got all three. So he has three dimples and he has like the most ridiculously cute smile. And like, that's where I laugh and I'm like, you know, where's my break? Like the kid, I spent 22 weeks so worried about what his sweet smile would look like. And he came out with three dimples right? Um, and has charmed everyone ever since. Yeah. Um, big time. So, so I just know, um, you know, one of, one of the women that I did meet when I first shared that I was going to have a child born request. Um, she's local here. And she told me one of the best things that she did for her son who's now entering his teenage years was getting involved with fundraising because kids are brutal right we all know and like there's going to be days where he'll get teased for his scar or he'll get questions or whatever the circumstance may be and I feel really comforted by the fact that 
other than everything I'm doing as a mom and as my husband as parents to um, raise him as a confident little boy, I love that I will have the ability to say, buddy, listen, along with everything you've been through and the strong person that's made you, you have helped X number of kids across this entire world been able to get surgery. Like, you know, and I just hope when I need that in my back pocket that in some way or form it'll help on a on a tough day. So that's great. Can we talk a little bit about so how does a cleft lip or a cleft palate happen? Is it a, a recessive gene? Is it just the luck of a they don't know. They really don't know. Really? Um, there's yeah, um, we had all sorts of genetic testing done while I was still pregnant, which was not to identify the cause of the cleft lip, but to make sure that it wasn't accompanied by any other syndrome as cleft sometimes can be. Um, but there is no known cause. So that is also part of it, again, as a mom where I, you know, had days of like, what did I do wrong? What did I do? How did I, you know, of course it had to be my, my fault is in my belly. Like I, I must've done something. Um, and that's just not the truth. That's not, there's no cause has been identified. Um, they do, there's a lot of studies that do think, you know, it's a recessive gene type situation, but it's, it's just never been, they can't get a concrete enough answer to be able to say this is X, Y, Z. So. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um so when you're fundraising are you constantly fundraising do you have one big event a year for that how do you do it so um we started when Luca was one and a half so in January is the world smile day um so our first year we had this little event um at a restaurant in Latham where we had a room full of baskets um the chef at the restaurant actually was cleft affected as a child and he, you know, said he wanted to be involved and donate a percentage of um, the dining tickets from that day. So we had a great first like inaugural event. And then the next year, um, Luca was obviously older, older, two and a half. And I felt really, um, I really wanted it to be something that he could enjoy and be a part of. And at two and a half, that was not something that was going to take place in a restaurant. Um, so we had Smile Day and we had it at Afram in Latham, which is just essentially a big open soccer field. And we had the most tremendous community support. My heart was literally bursting that day. Um, from people I know in the wedding world that came and made smile balloon arches, um, donated bouncy bounces, some local schools came and brought ball pits. And it was just this celebratory um, late afternoon, early evening. Um, we had a bazillion raffles that were donated. And it was just this day for kids to come and be kids. And, um, you know, we have really fun things like a cakewalk and a wine walk. Um, so the majority of our fundraising is centered around that. Uh, currently, my basement is uh, ground zero for that event because <laughs> obviously COVID came and there was not going to be an event last year. And I spent from the, you know, essentially the day after the first event on, I was gearing up for the next one. Um, so we are very excited <laughs> for when 
the world can be together again and we can have another one. Luca asked me all the time about when's Smile Day. <laughs> so yeah, and I and I look forward to um, having it grow with him because I just I want it to be something where he feels celebrated. I don't want it to feel like a pity party. I don't want it to be um, I don't want to have any negative connotation around it. So um, my my goal is for it to grow along with him. So nice, nice. Yeah. Um, if somebody wanted to just donate any time towards that, right? They sure could. Yeah, yep. We always are. Um, our our team, Seven Hundred Smiles, lives forever on Smile Train's website. Um, it's always up. They do a lot of. I like to share when they they do a lot of um, matching donations with big corporations that get involved. So there's a lot of the times where you donate, you can donate and get your um, donation doubled or tripled. A couple times a year, they do a five times match. So I scream that one from the rooftops. Um, but we have a Facebook page for 700 Smiles. Um, you know, it's been quiet this year. Um, to be very honest, I struggle with when the world is struggling so painfully this last year and a half, um, not just COVID, but everything, everything else in the world. Um, I definitely get quiet because in terms of sometimes smiles, I get loud about everything else, but I get quiet um, about us because I just feel like in the moment of this last year, there's just been a lot of other stuff we need to focus on, um, but it's always there. And um, we're grateful for, you know, we just have a lot of people that have um, shown up for us in so many ways. You know, it's not only money, but support and love and stories and, you know, connecting us with other people. Um, I'm just really grateful for all of that. So now he's had one surgery and that's all that's required for him? So he had, he had a lip repair um, at six months and that was, brutal for me <laughs> it was an eight hour long surgery um so you know I had to hand my six month old over and let him go for eight hours um that is the biggest surgery for for a cleft affected child he will have kind of optional things as he grows um he also has a um kind of like a um Kind of just like a gap in his tooth that will have to be repaired eventually with um, probably a bone graft and then depending how he grows and develops um, a lot of times because a cleft um, the differentiation is can it can be complete or incomplete so incomplete means that it does not reach the nose incomplete means it's split completely to the nose um, so his cleft was incomplete but his nose was still affected so he might have to have some revisions as he gets older, depending on how he grows. Um, that actually just reminding me of something that's pretty interesting is that, of course, I wouldn't know, nobody would know this unless you studied cleft, but we, in utero, we all have a cleft. The, the lips are joined when a baby develops in utero. So we all start with that gap. Oh. And it's what happens for whatever reason is that in utero, affected children it does not meet um so it's interesting that it's not it's not something i think 
the way I would have pictured it if I didn't know better is, you know, we think of like a splitting, like it's something came yeah. apart, but it's not, it's that it just never fully came together. Oh, that makes so, so much more sense now. Which yeah. is why I was asking like, <laughs> what is it that causes it? Right, so now, right. Cause you think, yep. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. And actually there's, um, there's, there's cases of, so say like 18, 20 weeks when mine was found, they, you know, they identified the cleft. But there are times um, that fusion is supposed to happen. I actually think it's at like four to six weeks of um, pregnancy. So usually people don't even know they're pregnant at that point. Um, but there's times when they find it at the ultrasound and it's supposed to be so beyond the point of where that would fuse together. But sometimes it still does happen very late in pregnancy. So there's people that expect their child to be born with class. And instead they'll be born with either like the teeniest, tiniest one or almost like a scar that developed in utero because the body repaired itself, but it literally repaired itself. So there's a scar. So it's like, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's totally fascinating. Like the human body has such a capacity for like miraculous things, right? Mm -hmm. We usually focus on, (laughs) right. Or notice the things that go wrong, but it's, it's, we are walking miracles, everyone. 100%. Yeah. So what other, what other, what has this experience, right, for all of that you've walked through, but what are the gifts that it's given you? Well, so many. Um, just what you were saying, I mean, the, the miracle part of, um, I've always felt like infertility was honestly the biggest blessing because I I mean I still he's gonna be so it's ingrained in his head forever but like I still look at Luca like every day and I'm like I can't believe I grew you in my stomach number one my uterus like this is this is mind-blowing right that like we can grow humans women can grow humans like right we're so crafty we we, yeah (laughs) we craft we craft human beings right in our bodies (laughs) like and there's clearly a reason I'm sorry but that that job is not giving to men right like they this wouldn't have worked so we do that that's insane um but just you know kind of like I said from my I just wanted to be a mom so badly and having to struggle that extra bit to get there um I think I'd like to think I would have appreciated it no matter what but I just really don't take these moments for granted um and I feel like that's the gift that infertility gave me is that you know it's hard being mother is the hardest but I am so grateful for every second of that struggle and every second of the joy because I feel like I got a taste of almost not being able to have that and because of that I just I'm so, so grateful. Um, and that has just, I really do feel like that's such a gift um, to have that experience. And, as, and you know, again, as far as um, his cleft journey, I feel like I, you know, I, I'm his mom for a reason. And if whatever parts of me were chosen to be the mom that he needed to be, then I'd like to think that I've been able to do the best that I could for him um and you know I don't I don't know how it all works I don't 
I don't really know what I think about. I'm not very religious. I'm not very, um, I don't really subscribe to anything in particular. Um, but I like to think that I was chosen as his mom for a reason. Um, and I'm going to do everything I can to, you know, make sure that he is a happy, healthy man in his life. Um, that's just really what's important to me. So I think perspective is the gift of all of it. Um, and, you know, from, from any trauma, from any life experience, I think always a good reminder that, um, you know, one of my favorite quotes is, you just, you don't know. Everyone's fighting a battle you know nothing about. And it's just so damn true. Like, in the world of social media, in the world of filters, in the, you know, we share our highlight reel, we share the best parts of our day. Um, and I like to be obnoxious and like share the worst part of my day because I just know the feeling of looking and thinking like, wow, that person has it all together. They're not sobbing into their morning coffee. Like that, you know, like, and it's just not true. We share right. our best parts, um, but we all have stuff every single day right. one of us has yeah stuff and I just don't think we're doing each other any favors by pretending that we aren't by you know by posting that filtered picture like it's not it's not helping us it's not helping any single one of us um and I just think that it's really made all these things added up have just made me really passionate about showing up for other women um because I think the way of our world and the way women are tasked with all of the things and expected to be good at all of the things at the same time with a smile. <laughs> like I just, I can't, I can't speak up loudly enough against that that's not realistic. Um, oh, it's not. In fact, I've started saying something, you know, that thing. Um, okay, because I'm older, I'll be 60 this year. Um, there was this thing in the 70s, you know, women can have it all, right? And then through the 80s, it was like, can they have it all? And I'm like, well, here's the bottom line. We fucking do it all. For sure. Right? right. Like, and why? Because we have to. Mm-hmm. Right. And COVID has shown this to be absolutely the truth, because I have watched and monitored and reached out to my mom friends like, how you doing? I see you. You're tired. I see you struggling. Like, I can't even imagine. And now the numbers are up into two and a half million women have left the workforce this last year. We're back to nine, like early 1980 numbers of women in the workforce. And now my heart hurts because I know when we start going back, we're going to have to fight for all the things again. Mm -hmm. And it is so, like, so wrong. So when you yeah. talk about like women really, really need to support other women, mm -hmm. it is absolutely true because if we don't show up for each other, who's going to show up for us? Right. 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 No um, one else can understand, you know, I mean, I mean, there's plenty of amazing men out there. Absolutely. But they just cannot, then I, I personally do not believe that they are capable of fully understanding what it means, what women carry, what moms carry, what, you know, it's just, it's very complex. And um, 
I just, I really have a fear about, you know, I, I talked a long time about the unfiltered life. Um, and I just, I really fear how we're not showing up for each other in that way. Um, and that's one of the things that keeps me up at night is because I just think we're, we're not doing each other any favors and only think about my like, God, the next generation. Right. <sighs> right. Like I show up for these interviews. I show up made up, but like on my lives every day, there's not a stitch of makeup on here. And usually I normally don't take a shower. If I don't have interviews, I don't take a shower till three o'clock in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. So my hair is just like, yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then here's Dawn, mostly don't have a bra. Sometimes I'm still wearing my pajamas, but you know what I mean? So if people are showing up on my page, they know when Dawn's made up and when Dawn's not, because I show up all the different ways. Right. Right. Yeah. right. yeah. And filters, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. I don't want anybody to be shocked when they meet me in person and go, whoa, you're who? <laughs> what you mean, Exactly. No, oh. nope. You're going to, you're going to see the same person. Um, <laughs> but so how has COVID like how, how, how rough was that for you this last year as a mom with a little tiny? Yeah, it, I can't say it's not brutal. I mean, it was, um, so obviously COVID started in March. Um, September was when Luca started school for the first time. And it was only a uh, two day a week, a couple hours in the morning, um, two-year-old program. And that was the first time he was ever away from me. And we did phenomenal. I obviously was very concerned and he couldn't have been more confident walking into that classroom. Um, and I did great. And we got into routine. So September to March, we were just living this life feeling like, yeah, we got like this kind of balance thing going. Like, we kind of like, you know, we're kind of doing this. Um, and then obviously March just, it just ended. And trying to explain to a child what's happening and why when we walk around the neighborhood he can't run up and hug his friends and the mask and I would have to say that all the children I've experienced have been much more mature and <laughs> happy to wear their masks than the majority of adults I've encountered um but still you know you gotta wear this mask on your face now um and it just, it, it broke my heart that he, you know, now it, it's been a year. He, he missed a year really of being like a kid. Um, really? All that, that social, no socialization. Yeah. I just, it's, yeah, it, it was, it's, it's sad. And then, you know, I had to, um, I had to figure out what I was doing in terms of like taking care of me because I can't leave the house. I can't go anywhere. Um, and I very quickly found myself thinking like, I know what this feels like, like when I had a newborn that right. I, was, um, I was just thinking that it's like having a newborn again and being so yeah, tired. Yeah. And like, I couldn't even, you know, I, I'm grateful. I have a great network of girlfriends. When I had a newborn, I could, I could take him and go to their house and God, I don't, who knows what I I didn't care what I looked like. I, you know, I had someone to talk to and not feel just completely alone in my house 
Um, so this is very reminiscent of that. And, and that, you know, not having conversations, not seeing people. Um, and, you know, I, I'm a hugger. I'm a, like, I, I love seeing people. I actually, um, like three weeks ago, probably I was taking Luca to an appointment and it was in an office building where I assume what happened is a woman ran uh, to the bathroom and she forgot her mask and we were just sitting in the in like the waiting room area um you know we had a mask on but she smiled at me and honestly I think it was like a nervous smile because she realized like oh shit I don't have a mask on but to me I was like I, I mean truly I teared up in that moment I was like I can't believe how much I miss smiling with strangers right like I don't know that I don't know who that woman was but like she smiled at me and I'm like oh my god like we don't get to do that, right? Like, right. Like, smile at people. Um, so just, yeah, it, it, it was really challenging. Um, and I have, you know, I live in a great neighborhood, a great group of women where we did our best to like, we would literally walk around the streets and in the beginning when, you know, we're all figuring this out together. We didn't know how things could be transmitted. Um, you know, I would walk on one side of the street and my girlfriend would walk around on the other and we would walk around the neighborhood yelling to each other from the so we need to get out of the house and have an adult conversation um and I think I think you know I can't imagine the um women trying to work from home and have their kids on virtual learning and like it's just it's too much just doesn't suffice for explaining what it is like it's it's just beyond um so as much as you know I had my hard days of being stuck in the house you know, there's, there's women trying to, to do their jobs and yeah. have their kids on a computer doing school, which like, that's not, you know, my, my teacher heart was breaking every day that I'm like, this is not how kids need to learn. This is not, this is not for kids. This is not, you know, we're just, we're going to be paying the price of this for a really long time um, as women in the education system um, all around. It's just, it's tough um there's no no easy way around that um and I know I personally get you know I joke about the fact that at the beginning we thought we would all buy one mask and be stuck inside for like two weeks and that sounded like horrific um and now we're 52 weeks later with you know probably 52 masks and um we survived it which many people can't say, right? Like, right. acknowledge that that's yes, that's the real truth of the matter. Um, but I think we're all forever changed. And um, again, it was just I, I had to. I felt like a weight of responsibility in you know even from coffee to wine to be like, hey, like if you're not okay, that's okay. Like we're not okay right now. Um, it's yeah, a, it, it was okay. right. Like we all went through this last year of trauma, mm-hmm. you know, like at first when people started throwing that word around, there were a lot of people like, oh, that's a little harsh. I was like, no, this is actual trauma. And if for the people who have experienced trauma in their life before this, it's just all compounded right? We're just taking on more layers of trauma. And the longer it went on, and I'm speaking from my own personal experience, you have to keep checking yourself, you have to keep checking in, like, 
okay, you know, where am I withdrawing? What am I, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, what have I let slide that I wouldn't normally let slide, you know, because this is not going to be good in the long run. You just have to keep checking yourself. Um, And I wonder, you know, like 10 years from now, who is going to be doing the checking in with the kids? right? To mm-hmm. find out how this effect is going to affect them long-term. Because even though kids seem like they're, they're doing kid things mm-hmm. or, you know, they're sleeping well or whatever, we all know, cause we all grew up right through our own set of stuff. Um, and we still acted like kids, like how is this affecting everybody down the road? You know, all through the different developmental stages, you know, right, like right. how are the teens in 10 years now, young yeah. adults, how are they approaching starting a family or not? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I was stuck in my house with my family for a year. I am yeah. not going down that yeah. road. <laughs> I'm not getting married. I'm not having kids. <laughs> Saw how that was not interested. And like we're laughing about it, but it's, it's probably going to be an actual no, thing. <laughs> And it's very, very, very possible. <laughs> so many things yeah. now down the yeah. road have the ripple effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a friend point out to me the other day that in school, when we learned about um, the Roaring Twenties and the Spanish flu, that we never really were taught about how one came after the other and how the relationship between the two. And it's right. a very good point that things are going to, you know, right like a little different yeah yeah there was like um, I do a lot of my my social angsting on Twitter because I don't really I have a few friends on Twitter that overlap into the other social medias but mostly I'm over there ranting and raving with people who really don't see me any other place (laughs) so it's my safe zone Mm -hmm. but there's like, like a woman posted last week how like these like little house on the prairie dresses, you know, they're like shapeless and stuff. That's the spring style. She's like, oh, hell no. I've been stuck in the house for 12 months. I'm going to be wearing very little as far as clothing when I finally get to go back out into the world. And like people like getting ready to have sex again, like singles, right? The chatter out there is enormous. I'm like, oh my God, man. We thought the baby boom of the the 60s, (laughs) mid 50s to you know, early 60s was bad. Oh, we ain't seen nothing yet, boy. People are raring to go. Somebody posted, I, I, I was, I took my mom to get her first shot. This woman is in her 80s and four different old men hit on her. So, <laughs> so like even the seniors are like starved for, yeah. you know, companionship and stuff. I was like, yeah, there's so many layers of this. We don't even know. So many layers, so many <laughs> layers. And that that's another, I mean, my, you know, my single girlfriends and my single family members that, you know, again, not to say that it's peachy being in a house with a kid and, and a husband, but there was people that went through this literally alone. Right. And it's like the impact of that, like, I, it's just, it's so beyond anything we can understand and and know how to do it right and how to be there for each other and just yeah yeah I've got a friend um who went through and is still going through this down in Queens um with his mom who's in her late 80s who normally went to Florida in the in the winter and his ex-wife 
they've spent the year together in a two bedroom apartment in Queens. He's been sleeping in the living room on a pull out couch and they've all mm. like very, you know, like for the first 10 months, they never even left the apartment. Mm. Right. And he's a photojournalist. So he's, he's the picture, the photos that have been coming out, man. Oh my God. Um, he's won all, he's won a couple of awards, but they've, it's, they've been picked up and they've been interviewed like across the world, all these different places have come to them. Uh, but I, you know, that's just one like story. Right. Right. Of what people are going to have gone through. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We need to talk about it more. I want to know more stories like that, right? Like right. put them out yeah. there so that people can finally show up again. Like we can talk about it. So who did you, who did you quarantine right. with? <laughs> yeah. How did that go for you? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, people completely alone. I cannot, yeah. cannot. Like, I don't know about you, but I'm a little, um, I get nervous going out now mm. and, and I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about like when they say, okay, everybody can gather again. I'm like, how do we know? <laughs> right. Well, I think, I think there's been so much um, distrust and clearly the media has been a mess for the last minimum of a year. Um, I think, and again, it's, I think this is the trauma showing itself that it's not as easy as saying like, okay, if, by some miracle we had like a hundred percent vaccine rate we would all still be like but can we really go out without our masks like is is that can we really help people to, you know like it's we've now lived this it wasn't two weeks it wasn't and now you don't just go back you know I hate that thing the new normal but it's like we don't know now right. we don't know we, we can't trust that you can just out without a mask you know it's just, it's right bizarre. like so, so my bizarre. husband my husband and I our thing is we go out and we listen to live music so we practically live at the egg even the week of shutdown we saw two shows before the shutdown happened mm. right in that week and I'm thinking of like being in the egg where we're shoulder to shoulder and you know in the small theater even mm. not alone the large theater and I'm like I'm not sure how I'm going to feel the first time I go right. back in there and sit there right. with a full audience. Mm -hmm. What that is going to, it's like my back is crawling just thinking about right. it. <laughs> right. Right. It's, it's the effects are not just going to go away. Right? right. Like we can't just flip a switch and just like any other trauma, you can't just decide it's over and you're going to go back to that old version of yourself. It's not how it works. Yeah. So is there yeah. anything you want to leave with people about seven, 700 smiles, smile train, any of that? Um, you know, I just think that one of the biggest lessons I've learned throughout all of this is that for us, it's smile train, right? We, I had a child born with a cleft lip we decided to be loud and proud about that. And I think that the greatest gift we can give to each other as humans is that if you feel called and able to share whatever it is that you wanna be loud and proud about, whatever that is, whatever your story is, I think 
that we can only do better for each other if we can show up like that. So it's not going to be my story, but whatever your story, obviously, this is what you're doing. You know, I just think it's so powerful when we can be humans with each other um, and be there for each other because everyone is going through something and if no one knows it we can't show up for each other um and I just think that if you're called to share your story and if you think oh it's you know it's small in this grand scheme of things or there's bigger it, it doesn't matter we're all um we're all in need of the reality of life and I think if that if you're called to do that in any way, shape, or form, that I hope you'll just do it um, because we need that from each other. Mm, I totally agree. I love that you ended with that. All of the links, when I post this, if you're watching this, you the links were in the post, but if for some reason you can't find Chelsea, you found me. Hit me up. I'll hook you up. Thank you again for being gracious Thank enough you. to show up and speak your truth with us and be transparent and make it easier for somebody out there. Cause you guaranteed there's moms going through the same thing all over the world right now. And hopefully one person, if every time I do one of these, I'm like, if just one person feels like, Oh my God, I've been seen. Then hundred percent. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> I'm That's good. Right. Totally. All right. Well, you have a really great day. Thank you so much, Chelsea. Thank you for having me. Everybody, you know what to do for me to send me the love. Subscribe. Please subscribe because that just makes YouTube throw them out there and more people find us and more people get to listen. Have a great day. Bye-bye, people. Thank you so much for joining us today on From Mindfuck to Mindset. Please hit that subscribe button. You can also find me on YouTube under Dawn Scannell, and you can subscribe there too. You can watch me as well as listen. How cool is that? So you can also find me on Facebook. Into the search bar, just type in the at symbol, no bullshit reset, and that'll take you to my page to find my community group. It's called Fabulously Flawed. So if you put that in the search engine, you will find the group and you can apply to join that group. It's a group of lovely ladies and we're all trying to get our shit together in there. So come join us. You can never have too much shit. All right, where else can you find Dawn Scannell? You can find me under dawnscannell.com. That's my website. And I've always got some freebie or another that I'm giving away on there. So go get yourself some of that. Until next time. Thank you.